We set sail for Cutthroat Island! More gold, jewels, and plunder than you've ever dreamed of. I'm gonna split you open. I really think that from now on we should be partners. 50-50. 60-40. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. <laughs> Well, Chris and Tom are looking at some movies. The biggest bombs the world has ever seen. But do they suck or are they really groovy? Will Tom and Chris be nice or mean? But do these films deserve humiliation? Of being called the worst flicks around Millions in PR couldn't save them But do they deserve the loser's lounge? Episode 5, Cutthroat Island, 1995 I can't believe no one wanted to see Gina Davis dressed up as a pirate Welcome to another trip on the good ship, not the loser's lounge. Although we guarantee you, we didn't build this ship. They <laughs> decided it was exactly the wrong ship and had it, had it torn down and built another ship on top of it. As you do. As, as, as at least Rennie Harlan does. <laughs> um... I'm Thomas DJ, and of course, across from me is my esteemed friend, Mr. Christopher Tyler. Hello. And we are now up to the fifth biggest box office bomb, according to Wikipedia. Uh, this is the first one we've done that actually killed the studio. <laughs> I think the studio was in the death throes before this oh, happened, oh. but... The studio was in trouble. Yes, the studio was was definitely in trouble to begin with, but um, this is the first one. There are others on this list, but this is the, the first one that killed that actually outright killed the studio. Um, the uh, production company Carol Co. Uh, sold the rights to the rights it had to, for the profits to all these Verhoeven movies, and on top of it shut down production of Verhoeven's next film that he was planning, which was called Crusades. Which I'm pissed about. But um, we're talking about 1995s. And this is only the second pre-21st century um, film that we've covered. Um, Cutthroat Island. Oh, yeah. Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat yeah. Island. And... Um, before we begin dissecting this big, bloated whale corpse of a movie, <laughs> um, I just want to mention to everybody that we now have an email address. So if you want to continue the conversation about Cutthroat Island, in the case of this episode, or the subjects of other episodes we have coming up, you just have to write to not the losers lounge all writ out 
at gmail.com. Easy. And we will we will read your, your letters and we'll make fun of you. I can neither confirm nor deny that I will make fun of people. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Cutthroat Island. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where to start? Where to start with this? Uh, I love Gina um, Davis. First of but all, we'll start with Lord. the pertinence. Let's start with the pertinence. Um, the budget was $98 million. The worldwide gross was $18.3 million. That is no bueno. Um, the estimated loss... Adjust. I don't know if the, I don't know if these are adjusted for inflation, but they are. It is a hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. It is that presently sucks. listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the biggest bomb of all time. And as really? we mentioned, it killed Carol Co. Pictures dead. Uh, which is a shame because if I go back and look at a bunch of Carol Co. stuff, there's a lot of stuff there that I'm pretty yeah. fond of. Well, the thing is, is that they had, um, as we mentioned previously, they had um, produced most of Paul Verhoeven's American pictures, which included, they did Showgirls and Stargate and and all of these films, and they sold off their rights to get this made. Big mistake. So, um, and canceled Verhoeven's next picture... And what was that picture, Chris? Crusade with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, so so we could have had a a action movie set during the Crusades, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as a knight, cutting people up. Yeah, that's all I ever wanted in life. <laughs> um. I'd never seen this film before. Had you, had you seen this film before? Uh, I had, I have seen it, and let's see, when did this hit? Ninety was ninety five, so I probably saw this on VHS in ninety six at about probably I was probably like sixteen years old, and it didn't stick with me then, and it certainly didn't do much for me now. I can see what the the problem with this, besides the fact that Rennie Harlan had was going through some ego problems. I mean, all right, te- technically wise, look, it's a, it's a fine looking motion picture. the The music is actually really good. It fits mm-hmm. right in with what they're going for. But it's just, uh, uh, you look at the beginning of the cast. And it's like, all right, Gina Davis, Frank Langella, Matthew Modine. Got some other good character actors in there. Like, oh, this might be all right. No, no, it's not. Um, yeah, they put Carolco put all their eggs in the Rennie Harlan basket, and Rennie Harlan was like, "I'm going to make my my lovely wife at the time the biggest star on the planet." No, and, you're not. and, and I'm a, I am a I'm a Gina Davis fan. And I, I will even go so far as to say, you know, Gina Davis previously did a film where she did action and she was okay in it. Yeah, I just don't... 
Pirate Gina Davis doesn't really work, that's, though. That's the biggest problem. Pirate Gina Davis and pri Private and Pirate Matthew Modine do not feel like pirates in the least. No, they do not. I mean, I, I mean Matt, Matthew Modine, like he's been around for a long time now. Most of the yeah. time he shows up in something, he's pretty good. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm at the point in my life, though, where it's like he's always going to be, you know, shoot from Vision Quest. It's like right. I remember him as a teenager in wrestling, you know? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, But yeah, it, it, originally uh, they cast Michael Douglas, but one of the... Um, provisos of his contract was that he had the same screen time as Davis. Oh, if you're at that point in your that, life, I guess that's one of those things you can demand. Yeah, that was not the case. So Douglas pulled out, which sent them scrambling for a co-star, and they ended up with um... Matthew Modine because he has experience as a fencer. Well, that's not the worst way to land a gig, I guess. But, uh, and he had, they had originally planned on, uh, also cast Oliver Reed. Oh my. Fired for showing his junk to Gina Davis. That sounds exactly like something Oliver Reed would do. Yes, yes, that's the thing. Usually I'd say take this with a grain of salt, but that is exactly the kind of behavior I expect from Oliver Reed, especially at that time. <laughs> um, supposedly, uh, Harlan commissioned the built those those ships that we see in the film. Those mm -hmm. beautiful pirate galleons were built for the film, and apparently. Uh, Rennie wasn't happy with them, had them torn down, and a new one built. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I mean, what's on screen looks really good, so maybe he had a point. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the original cinematographer of the film, Oliver Wood, no relation to Oliver Reed, fell <laughs> off the crane and into one of the water tanks, breaking his leg and almost drowning him. Oh, Jesus. He was replaced by Peter Levy. Um, it was shot mostly on location, although indoor scenes were shot in um, Mediterranean film studios in Malta, and models were shot at the Paddock Tank in Pinewood Studios. Okay. Um, Harlan demanded that his uh, actors required were required to do their own stunts whenever possible, which means that a lot of the times you see um, Gina Davis swinging around on stuff, that's actually her. Yeah, that's great. I mean, but, Just, you know, don't have to do that. But, and, and it is... It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, I guess. But... It's obvious Gina Davis and Matthew Modine are not in the same picture as everybody else. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know what picture they're in. <laughs> I know. It's like, and it's a pity because they, they get a great villain performance from Frank Langella. For yes. me, the one thing that I take away from this film is Frank Langella 
on top of that uh, on that pirate ship, raising his fists to the so- to the to the sky and going, "I love this." Yep, he's uh, he's having a good time. <laughs> he's having a great time. Um, some of the humor, some of the there's a little bit of the the kind of like anachronistic humor that was kind of uh, popular at the time. And the sexual innuendos fall flat. Um, yeah, I was and, uh, I was not impressed with, with with the script for this. Yeah, and, and and when you introduce one of your characters has ploppers, yeah, um, it kind of dominates what his real name is. <laughs> um. And it also ha- doesn't help that uh, the character's name is actually Captain Trotter, and he's supposed to be um, the the foil for Morgan, the other the other enemy, and he kind of disappears for long periods of the yeah. film. I mean, it, there has to there's probably a longer cut of this movie somewhere. I don't think it will help the, all that much, but. Yeah, it's um I mean it's it just it clocks in at just under two hours before the credits. And good right. lord, those opening credits are really long. Um it, yeah. it's it, it I don't know. I I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the, the counter, I'm check I you know, this was this was unfortunately a movie where I was checking my phone to see what time it was. Like it, it just this thing is still going on. Oh my god. Well, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's about an hour and 45 minutes, if I remember correctly. And it's... The problem, like I said, the biggest problem is the two main characters do not fit. Not at all. In this world. I mean, Gina Davis is lovely, and there's never anything wrong with it, with a beautiful woman dressed like a pirate. Agreed. Um, but she never feels like she's not pretending to be a pirate as opposed to yes. a character. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, she, she is wildly out of place in this film. I, I don't know if that was the best performance she could give, or if she just said, screw it, this is garbage anyway, and I'm stuck here, so let me just get through my lines. Well, I, I don't think that she thought it was garbage. Um, after all, this is this is basically Rennie Harlan killing a studio f- for love of you. Um, yeah. But um, and he did some weird things during production, like they had crates of V eight vegetable juice shipped out to the to the set in Malta, so okay. they always had it on hand. Not what I would be importing, but okay. Yes, and he always insisted on having three cameras running at the same time when he was shooting. Do you really need that unless it's no, for no, coverage for like a special effect or a big action scene? I mean, yeah. that's... Okay, yeah, Rennie Harlan, you are no auteur. I'm sorry. And, and I like and, some and... of your stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Um... I, I should also mention that it is considered by uh, Forbes magazine has one of two films that killed women-led action films in the 90s. What was the other one? 
One we're going to get to eventually, Aeon Flux. That was just a shitty adaptation, though. Yeah. Um, it's... this in a number of these films. These films that are just, they're adequate, but they're not special. It, bingo. It, it, what's, what's, what, what's the word the kids say now? Mid? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 this is another film kind of like um, um, The Eighth Warrior, which is fine for what it is, but it doesn't have that oomph that uh, would attract people to watch it repeatedly. Exa- yeah. Or to say, oh man, you gotta see this. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I, I think also the fact that it just, that budget ballooned. It was originally $60 million. I, I don't know how, yeah, I mean, you should have been able to pull off a, a fairly decent mm-hmm. pirate movie in the mid-90s for $60 million. That's still a big chunk of money. Yeah, but shooting it on location with actual, you know, with elaborate stunt pieces. I mean, I'll go, I'll say it. The, um, the, the, the carriage chase is, is elaborate. It's definitely eye-catching. It's not exactly, it's, I think, more noise than, um, storytelling. Yeah, but again, it's a pirate movie, so you it's do kind of want movie, the, you yes. do want you do want the noise, and the, and that's fine. It's just yeah, but again, I, and now I finished rewatching this for the first time in twenty eight years, you know, a couple of hours ago, and really nothing's sticking with me, other than Frank Langella. Yeah, it, it basically, I mean, granted, the pirate film was not on great legs. No. Um. At the time, I mean, most of the 80s attempts to revive the pirate genre. I mean, uh, who remembers uh, Nathan Hayes, which apparently is very good, or Yellowbeard. Don't know either of those ones. Uh, Yellowbeard was a comedy. There was Pirates, Roman Polanski's. I have seen that one. Oh, Lord. Couldn't tell you anything about it now. Um, And also the pirate movie... Not the Pirates of the Penzance adaptation that was official, but the one that was unofficial with um, a bunch of young people and <laughs> whose name I can't... Although I know one of them... Christy, not Christy McCall. Christy McCall is the Irish singer. Um, but it was... I, but yeah, the pirate movie... You know, it was on bad uh, legs... I have to imagine if Disney didn't own the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise already, mm. that if somebody went to them and said, I want to make the Pirates of the Caribbean, they would be like, no. Yeah, probably not. Pirate movies suck. <laughs> um, but it's, just, it, it's, it's solely on, I think, the biggest, the biggest sin is... And, and I hate to say it because, like I said, I like this. I like this actor. Is is Davis? Yeah, it's she's just the wrong. She f- never does not feel modern. And if you're gonna do a take on a classic pirate movie, yeah, 
with anachronisms. I don't know if she, even if, let's just say that the script was reworked a little bit so that it would be slightly more tongue-in-cheek and, and more of an almost, uh, not a spoof, but let's just say a, a slightly tongue-in-cheek loving homage to classic right. pirate films, I still don't think that she would be the right choice for it. Well, the, the tone is all over the place. Yeah. It, it can't decide what it, what kind of pirate movie it wants to be. Um, it reminds me a lot, and, and we're going to encounter this, this um, director soon enough. It reminds me a lot of, like, David O. Russell's films. Where... Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're based on historical events. They're based on true events. And yet, you never get the feeling that this is nothing more than people from Hollywood playing dress-up. Bingo. And look, hey. Rennie Harlan wants to see his wife dress up as a pirate and get drenched. You don't I'm need $100 million dollars for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine <laughs> with that. You don't have to do that. You know... Go go to well, it, well, I think it was still in operation at the time. I was going to say go to Action Park and uh, hang out in the wave pool. <laughs> That's just as dangerous. Um, it's it's just pretty empty. Yeah, it's it's a it's an air biscuit of a movie. There's there's nothing there's nothing here other than some, you know the some of the practical boat stuff and yeah. in the music. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It was... And it's also the first time we have a, uh, a film where the advertising uh, posters were drawn by the great Drew Struzan. Yeah. The, po- the post is good too. And who yeah, is one that's... of the, who is one of the greatest poster artists of all time. That, that's a given. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's funny, somebody pointed out to me that um, the people who wrote The Curse of the Black Pearl, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, mm-hmm. must have seen this film because it Oh, also, for sure. I mean, the, the climax does also involve uh, one of the leading cast being pinned by, by his treasure trove as he's yeah. drowning. I know I noticed some similarities as well. But again, you know what though? I mean, they those two guys were probably uh probably at the right age to have seen they like one of the few people that probably really enjoyed it and was right. like, oh, well, maybe we can do something with this." So, it's um I don't think it was I mean, granted as we pointed out, um it was uh, it killed Carol Co. It, but I don't think this was at least Heaven's Gate, which we will be getting to. Oh, dreading that. Actually, I will defend Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate's biggest problem is it's just too damn long. But it's a gorgeous movie. It is an absolutely gorgeous movie. And it killed United Artists. United Artists had to sell its assets to MGM. Um... And went out of business. And that was, unlike Carol Co., which was around for just like, what, 20, 30 years, that had been around since the silent age. 
Yeah. But, um... It, it, it feels like, at least when you, you look at Heaven's Gate, you go, okay. That's kind of... I can understand why this film killed you. Because at least it all the wasted money is there on the screen. Here, it just it just look looks like I. I wonder what would have happened if Renny Harlan had been given thirty million dollars in nineteen ninety four. Uh, well, it would probably be mostly unknowns, which probably could have might helped. not be a bad idea. <clears throat> yep, get people that are primarily just stunt workers. You know, get one or two people that can give you the lines that you need and have the background be yeah stunt guys and you take some of the blow it out uh maybe mm -hmm. don't tear down the boats that you had built originally that right would certainly help uh you know I'm looking at the cast and i'm like outside of davis and modine i mean lingella was still was still known primarily as a character actor yep and I'm looking at the other the other actors in the cast, uh, Maury Maury Chaikin, who is an actor I greatly enjoy, a uh, Canadian actor. Um, these are all character actors, and I guess some of these guys were cast because you're a big guy with a tattoo on your face. Yeah, that's sometimes that's all you need. That's all you need sometimes is a big guy with a tattoo on your face. Oh, it's it's. It, it it is just excess, and this is. I think this is the first time we can definitely say, this is the first time we've encountered um, an ego, uh, a, a vanity project. Yeah, I, I doubt it'll be the last one, but oh no, it won't be. Yeah, but but this is definitely something where uh, the behavior of the director, and to a lesser extent, the star had inflated the budget to a point where it could not support itself. No. Um, but... it's I mean, it, a, after re-watching this, it's honestly su really surprising to me that Pirates of the Caribbean actually got made. Right. Because uh, there's, there's nothing here that, from a, a business standpoint or even a audience standpoint where somebody would have been chopping at the bit to go mm, yeah i think it might be time to resurrect the pirate genre again yeah. i don't think it would be fascinating to go to people like harlan uh if i ever got a lot a lot of money and say to him here here you have a million dollars do whatever you want but you're not getting anything more i think uh... I, I think that there are, there are directors who thrive under those kind of conditions. And um, that when they're given unlimited resources, like here, you get messes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if nothing's off limits to you, then where do you stop yourself? Exactly, exactly. Um, 
and I think this is the uh, this is a problem with a lot of movies um, these days. Once again, we come back. This is me being an old man now. Uh, we we come back to the fact that does that film have to be two hundred million dollars? Do you have to make a movie so? But then again, something like Avatar comes along, and there's enough eye candy that where they're like, oh, oh, people want to see, are telling people you got to see this. And it makes a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, spectacle, you know, can get you in the door for sure. And, and I mean, a lot of movies I like and that I enjoy, sometimes it is just spectacle and I'm not expecting anything else. Um, again, right. but there has to be something slightly more on the bone than just the spectacle. Right. Well, um, let, let's look. Um, let's turn to a very successful franchise, uh, the Fast and Furious franchise. That yeah. those films have become nothing but the equivalent of shaking car keys in front of a baby. Yeah, and I and I know yeah, we people, love and them. I, I know people dig them. I bowed out after the first one because I thought it was just a shit remake of Point Break. So I just I haven't seen any of the other ones. But I know people dig them, and that's and that's fine. It bears no real. It's. I was saying to my mother because my mom is a big fan, and you know, um, Fast Ten is coming out, and it's coming out on the weekend of Mother's Day. So I said, I guess I know what I'm getting you for for your Mother's Day. <laughs> and I was saying to her that if Tom now could go back in time. 23 years to much younger Tom waiting online in front of the Myrtle uh, Fiveplex to see the first Fast and the Furious and told him that, oh yeah, in 20 years these films will be about uh, cars that are using magnets to throw other cars at, at, at their opponents and going to the moon. Yeah. If you stop lying... Yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, wait, but this is a this is a movie about a bunch of guys stealing VCRs. Or so you thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's actually about. Oh, I, I, mean... I, oh, I know. My, my, the, the friend that I, the, the two friends that I went to go see that first one with, uh, the, their review walking out of it was that was neither fast nor furious. <laughs> It's like it's like that episode of The Simpsons where they're looking at the naked lunch <laughs> marquee and and the bully says, "I can think of two things wrong with that movie." Yep. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how disappointing Cutthroat Island is. Where we're discussing modern yeah, after franchises. I watched, after I watched the ninth film with my mother, I said to her, "There." At this point now, they need to enter the multiverse and fight the Avengers. Yeah, that might actually get me in the theater for that. Although my, my therapist suggested the idea of, since Universal also owns the Jurassic Park franchise, Ooh. have them go back in time to race dinosaurs. That Okay, that's a <laughs> stupid enough premise to where I'd, I'd yeah, yeah, I might be sold. Jason Statham and Vin Diesel riding dinosaurs. Now, now, now you've got my fucking money. Yes, that <laughs> right there. Yes, take my 14 bucks. 
You mean to tell me that we don't have cars, so we've got to use dinosaurs? Which, hey, that's great. And, you know, it'll spin off into, they'll just start doing Dino Riders as a franchise <laughs> then. I'm ready. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, but this is, it just is what it is. Cutthroat Island is just, it is. It's a movie that exists. You can yes. watch it. <laughs> and it killed an entire studio. Although the studio brought it on themselves. Yeah. Um, so I guess we, I, I think we're both in agreement. We do not recommend you watch this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty uh, You know, the other stuff that we've, you know, we've bellied up to the bar and watched here ha has stuff that it's like, all right, you know what? Maybe you should seek it out if you have the time, especially John mm -hmm. Carter. Like that's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John Carter but, is, is is actually pretty amazing. Yeah. But uh, this this is this is. This is a nothing. This is vaporware. It's, it really is. There's no there there in this. <laughs> and I and I don't like saying that about movies too often because I mean I know you know people clearly worked hard to try right. to get this thing done and everything, but it's just there's nothing that's going to hold you at and, all. And it's not like the the elevator pitch is bad. No, let's read, um, let's let's do a modern fire movie. Has the sixties. There were producers looking to do a film based on the legend of of um, um, Bloody Bess, Elizabeth Bonney. Okay. Um, I think for a time, Hammer was going to do it with, of all people, Carolyn Monroe playing Bloody Bess. Now that would get my money. Yes, that would. Um, and I think there still could be. Um, the only reason um, Pirates uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 4 got my money was because of uh, uh, Javier Bardem's wife. I don't know who he's married to. <laughs> I know. Who, no, he, he's... How come I don't remember her name? Um, I've never seen it, so I couldn't tell you. Okay. After I saw the second one in the theater, I was like, I think I'm done with these. Thanks. Well, Love. she was done. She was, um, she, she oh, God, how come I can't, this is what happens when you get really old, Chris. Hey, I'm in my mid forties. That's, you know, that's... you're on your way to where I am. And, um, it, it is that I, and it's like, I, I see her face. Penelope Cruz. That's it. Oh, okay. Penelope Cruz in a dress as a pirate. That got my money. Fair enough. You know, um, but it's it. It should not have been as big. It should not have had it that big a budget. No, in most most movies shouldn't. I mean, I, yeah. Especially, I mean, this is pre CGI, so I mean, I get that you have to make everything by hand, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you gave me $30 million and a half-decent water tank and a soundstage, I could probably write you and give you something that would at least get a return on your investment. And I yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it wasn't for Harlan being... Um, being and I love my film. wife, but she wouldn't be leading the film. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, no. no see, I see, once again, though, I would say we saw in the last... 
kiss goodnight. Which, I, that's a really good flick, but see, that makes sense for her. Yeah, not my favorite, not my favorite film, but I will admit that she, playing an action star, worked in that film. Yep. So I could see if I was Carol Coe, the idea of Rennie going, hey, I, I want to do this. And us looking at, at, at Long Kiss Goodnight is like, she could probably pull it off. But he did not deserve having so much money thrown at it. And he should not have pulled a tantrum and um, insisted on the sets being rebuilt and spending so much time looking for uh, someone to replace Michael Douglas that he did not oversee this, the rewrites for the, on the script and stuff. So, Well, luckily I can tell you that everybody in the next film looks like they should be pirates. Yay! Um, because it's an animated movie. It's the first time we hit an animated film. Although it is an animated film that killed an animation studio. Ooh. <laughs> um, we're not out of the water yet. Literally. Literally not out of the water yet because we will be talking about the 2003 um, animated film starring Brad Pitt. Uh, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. Yeah. Which I... cost $80 million and lost $184 million. Oh, God, it cost that. Jeez. All right. Well, yeah. I guess we'll get to it. All right. But at least we can say, well, Brad Pitt looks like he's playing at being a, a pirate because they drew these guys to be pirates. <laughs> yeah. I they, hot, hot take spoiler. I, I think it's a half decent flick, but we'll get okay, there. I haven't seen it before, so it will be interesting. To, to visit it finally as part of this project and then we get to uh, I get to talk about a director I really admire but uh, this this movie did not do anything for me oh boy Peter Berg's Battleship <laughs> I'll have more hot takes for that one we're people. gonna be waterlogged for the next two months yeah, don't work with children animals or water that's how you well, save your movie. And you want to know what the next film is after Battleship? Uh, yeah. Mars Needs Moms. So you will be working with children with that one. Oh, Christ. Then Pan. One of the many, many attempts to redo Peter Pan that never work. I think I actually enjoyed that one, too. But we'll, okay. <laughs> let's see what happens but when yes, our memory gets refreshed. Um, and then, the, then, let's see, after that, we have Tomorrowland. We're back to Disney World. I still haven't seen that one yet. And then the Michael Ritchie film, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Not the first time, only the first time that we're going to be talking about Guy Ritchie on this list. Mm. Which is, and the pity is, the other one that I know that he directed is one I greatly enjoyed. But probably did not need to be that um, expensive. What was it? It cost $109 million. It did not need to be that expensive. Oh the, uh, the other one, not not um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. So what, are you, what have you been up to, sir, that people can go and check out and listen? Um, well, the usual, the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror with Chris Honeywell and them Jack and Eddie boys, Luke and Jay, Jack and Eddie. 
And uh, I do uh, silly and fun voices for the Octodecagonagons. Well, later this month, (laughs) we are going to start um, the fifth season of Strangers in Paradise. And your character, Chuck, has a major role in it. My name's Chuck, and I get a major role. And you get Parkerized. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you're going to have to tune into the show. Yep, there you go. Uh, yeah, you're gonna and, and uh, I know that you and I have been talking about another play that, that I would like to do before the end of the year called The Drifter in Diablo. Oh yes. So, um, and I can be found besides here. I can be found at the Honeywell Experiment. We just did what may be the s- silliest, wackiest movie we've ever done. That's saying something. That, exactly, exactly. That's saying a lot, considering we also did Dark Town Shrutters. <laughs> um, namely, a film called Scream and Scream Again. Um, and also, I am, of course, director and sometimes play animals in uh, ATW Audio Works Productions. And you can get those every Friday. We drop new things. And this coming Friday, we're going to have the one-eyed monster men from Mars. It's not what you think. <laughs> so, which features your one of your recurring characters. So, Oh, well, it's, it's nice to have work. Fred and... What was it? What was it? Fred, and, Fred and Gary. Fred and Gary, yes! <laughs> and I started working... And I if somebody... Working, Go ahead. I was gonna say if somebody can write into either the uh, the ATW or uh, or here and, and tell me where I'm pulling that voice from, you'll get <laughs> you'll get a kudos from me. Okay, there you go. And 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 the email for uh, this show is not the losers lounge, all one word at gmail.com. And um, the next um, public domain comic theater, I started working on it. The hero's name, I, I'm i not making this up, is Alan Moore. <laughs> so Jim Moon will be playing Alan Moore. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait. It's, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, so... Um, and uh, if you want to receive this uh, show several days early and with extra content... Uh, you can join uh, the Domicile of Dread Patreon, which uh, you just look it up on Patreon, and uh, for as little as a dollar, you get extra goodness be- that we won't have on the uh, broadcast episodes. Bingo. It's it's not the Loser's Lounge after dark. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so... um. Keep your water wings on. Yeah, yeah, we we got a ways to go. We got a ways to go before we reach dry land. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you in April for Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. And until then, and we still don't have, that's another thing you can do, people. Send us your suggestions for what we could say as a a sign-off. Yep, we need something good. Eat something good and pithy and fun. But, um, 
It's got to be more fun than this film. <laughs> <laughs> Most things are. Yes. So until next time, keep the cards and letters coming. No, wait, that's somebody else's. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. That's, that, that's Jason's. So until next time, keep them stop. No, that's Luke's. Well, they're hip to the whole podcasting thing. You think yeah. I would be at this point, but nah. Come back. <laughs> Just come back. Come back. Shane, please. Come back. It's cold and there are wolves. <laughs> that's our that's our that's our sign off. It's cold and there are wolves. That could work. Okay. Good night. See you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, Please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. A sailor travels to many lands, any place he pleases, and he always remembers to wash his hands so he don't get no diseases. <laughs>